So this morning I'm going to continue our series on uh, holiness, really, and our topic uh, on veil faces, our key scripture being, uh, hopefully you're not, I was going to say you're probably sick of this, but let's hope that you're never sick of scripture, eh? We all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. <clears throat> he is the spirit. And so there's the sense in which when, when we perceive, when we see God's glory, when we realize that God himself and the, and the person of the Holy Spirit is living within us, that we are being transformed and that we then reflect God's glory out outwards we're being increasingly changed into his likeness and so increasingly over time and as God works in our lives as people look at us they should see something of God and something of his glory Uh, and that's quite a an amazing thing it's maybe a scary thing it's maybe something as well that we don't feel that we're particularly that far along the line with is you know when we start to think you know in my life do I reflect do do people see the glory of God in me and we sort of think well just you know there was this one moment once when I was like you know maybe just really good or or really kind or really generous or really compassionate and maybe I showed a little bit of God's glory then but I think that we have um, probably a low opinion of ourselves in terms of how much we reflect the goodness of God Uh, but I also think there's real opportunity for us even in the midst of our brokenness to reflect God's glory to the world. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Philippians 2. I'm going to have the the words on the screen as well. But as you know, I do like the good old-fashioned Bible made from a tree. And um, it's great to be able to look at that as well. So this one won't even stay open. So Philippians 2, and I want to read initially from verse 13, but I'm going to look at the the previous verses as well in a minute or two's time. Okay, so it's not up on the screen there. So if you want to look at Philippians 2 verse 13, it says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So it is God's will, God's purpose to work in us to change and transform us so that we would be like shining stars in the universe. That as people look at us, there'll be something bright, something amazing, something dazzling that shines out from us. That in the context of a crooked generation, so if we think about the crooked generation as being the black night sky, that we would shine like the stars do um, and light up the world around us. I live in a street where there's lots of street lights, but um, I was down at uh, Stephen and Bruno's the other week and the, the sky was really clear. And I was just amazed as I looked up at the sky and the lack of street lights below ruining it. But just how amazing and how beautiful the night sky is, how the stars shine so brightly 
um, in the context of the darkness. And so we are called to be like that too. We're called to shine. And, and so we think about Paul writing and he refers to the, the generation, to the church in Philippi, he ref, refers to it as a crooked generation, a warped and crooked generation. And how much more do we live in a, in a generation where that is the case? So therefore, how much more opportunity when the darkness around us is getting darker all the time, how much more opportunity do we have to shine like stars? <clears throat> and so the, the preceding verses to this, these verses are really, really important because Paul lays out, as it were, how we are to do that and where that light is to come from. And these are very familiar passages to you, hopefully. Um, and it says, therefore, if you have any encouragement with being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves not looking only to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so Paul paints this picture of what the church should look like that we should, in humility, consider others, that we should take on the attitude of Christ, who could have exalted himself, but actually lowered himself so that God might be exalted, that we have that example. And so we are called to shine like stars, but it comes from this place of humility. It comes from this place of patterning our lives like that of Jesus Christ, so that we um, can shine. And the simple fact is that we live in a, in a broken world where there's a lot of mess everywhere and people find it hard to shine. Yet there's something within us as humanity that knows that there's more than, than, to life than what we see around us. And um, what you find uh, as, you, as you look around our society and our culture and our history um, uh, and, and poetry and writing and stuff like that is that time and time again, human beings know that there's more to life than what's around them. We, we struggle with identity, we struggle with purpose, we struggle with value, we struggle with lots of things, and it comes out in different stories and different narratives over time. And um, C.S. Lewis, a very famous author and theologian, before he was a Christian, he was actually a scholar in, uh, in literature. And um, one of the things that he said was, and one of the ways that he worked himself towards Christianity was to understand there are things that are true, there are things that are good, there are things that are right, there are narratives and stories that exist and are replicated again and again within culture and within society. And one of them has to be true. One of them has to be true. All the stories 
about um, people dying for, for somebody else, about rescue, about purpose, about identity that come through in myths and legends. Something somewhere has to be right. And, and actually, so he called Christianity um, the true myth. He said, as he studied literature, he realized this is the one that's true. And I believe that there's a lot of truth hidden within our society and within our culture. And uh, Ecclesiastes say, says this, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the heart of man or in the human heart. No one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And this idea of eternity placed in, in the human heart comes out in lots of different ways. And so um, missionaries, as they travel for, uh, throughout the world over the last few hundred years, have found that when they listen to the narrative, when they listen to the story of the people that they go to reach, they find that God is already at work if they're willing to listen to what the story or what the narrative is. And as I've been thinking about this, this theme of shining like stars, um, I, I like a particular movie, okay? I like it a lot. Uh, anybody want to tell me what it is? Anybody listen to me? The Greatest Showman, yeah, yeah. Okay, and I want to show you so I watched The Greatest Showman, absolutely loved the movie, incredible. But being a, a sort of a pastor and somebody that preaches, I found it very hard to watch it without every time one of the songs is over thinking, yep, I can preach a couple of sermons from that. Um, but you see, I believe that, that that's not just coincidence. I believe that there are true narratives that run, that the humanity knows something to be true. They just don't know where that truth initially um, rested where it's from uh, and so there's a song in The Greatest Showman and it's called Come Alive and I just wanted to, to look at some of the lyrics from it it says you stumble through your days you got your head hung low your sky's a shade of grey like a zombie in a maze you're asleep inside but you can shake awake and isn't it so true in life that so many people walk along day after day like a zombie in a maze just completely lost because um, it says you're just a dead man walking thinking it's your only option but you can flip the switch and brighten up your darkest day sun is up and the colors blinding take a world and redefine it leave behind your narrow mind you'll never be the same and it kind of you know kind of think that sounds a wee bit like the sort of stuff that we read in the bible you know about how god has called us for purpose and identity how we're called to be born again to come alive that sounds very like what we're talking about, you know? Come alive, come alive, go and light your light, let it burn so bright. And so that, those verses which basically say, let me read you from Philippians 2. Do you everything without grumbling or arguing so you may become blameless and pure children without fault in a depraved and crooked generation? Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. So our ability to really shine, to be electrified, to shine brightly with purpose and meaning comes from the fact that Jesus has saved us. He's rescued us. We've been changed and transformed. And we do shine and we are bright. Why? Because we're reflecting the glory of God, not because we're amazing within ourselves. But this powerful narrative that has you know, gone right around the world, the greatest showman, is just a phenomenon, carries some of the messages of heaven. It just doesn't attribute them to God. Um, so without further ado, we're actually going to 
radio rather than me try and sing it. So I've saved you a lot of hassle there. But the, the, the Greatest Showman is a story is very loosely based on uh, the, the P.T. Barnum's circus and the idea of all these people who were freaks or outcasts within society, hiding away in the shadows, becoming sort of more alive in, in terms of their performance and, and being known and accepted for who they are and what they are. And, uh, you know, I think that that's so much of that just resonates with me about Christianity is that we're called to, to see people come to life and life in all of its fullness, to know purpose, to know identity, to know meaning. But as we do that, we become people who have something to share, something to give to others. And it comes from not our perfection, but God shining in us through our brokenness. So we need to learn, I believe, particularly in these times, we need to learn to, to listen to the narratives that I believe God has placed within our society, within our culture, to listen well enough to not be offended by things we don't necessarily like to see, and to be able to tell his story through the stories that he has placed within society. And I'll give you an example of this in scripture. In Acts uh, 17, uh, Paul is, is in Athens and he's trying to communicate with these people who are, are sort of very philosophical and like argument and like discussion. But he looks carefully around him and he sees a statue. And the statue says, to an unknown God. And so this is Acts 17, verse 23, by the way. And, and what Paul says to them, it says, people of Athens, I see that in every way you're very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Isn't that brilliant? Paul didn't go, I see that there God you're worshiping, that's wrong. Let me tell you about my God. He went, you recognize that there's a God that you don't yet know, and yet you worship him. And so the story goes about that particular statue, that um, at a period of time before that, there was uh, a, some kind of a plague that was going on, um, or disease outbreak, that wouldn't stop. And so these people at that time, you know, they tried to appease all of their gods, and the, the, the disease wouldn't stop. And so they thought, well, there must be another God that we need to pray to to get this disease to stop. And so they built a statue to an unknown God in an effort to make this disease stop because that's the way their culture worked. But that statue was then the thing that Paul used to say, do you know what? This unknown God, let me make him known. So what we need to be thinking is, well, maybe we can say to people, do you know that desire, like in that song, to come alive, to break out of the darkness, to break out of the shame, to be known, to, to feel worth and purpose. Let me tell you where that comes from. Let me tell you why you feel like that. Let me tell you the answer, which is Jesus. But let's do it from the context of what is already in our society and in our culture. So uh, very similar to a number of years ago, you would have remembered uh, a book called The Da Vinci Code by Dan Brown. And it came out roughly the same sort of time as The Passion of the Christ, which was a movie about the crucifixion. But what I learned was this. In my workplace, everybody wanted to talk about the Da Vinci Code. Nobody wanted to talk about The Passion of the Christ. Because The Passion of the Christ was just completely in your face. You either accepted it or you, you thought, I don't want anything to do with that. 
but the Da Vinci Code was a different matter. People will come to me and say, the Da Vinci Code says this, what do you think? Uh, and I said, don't know. So I got the book, read the book, went, that's a brilliant work of fiction, and here's what I think. And it gave me an amazing opportunity to share my faith because there was a narrative within our society that was looking for truth through that book. Whereas a lot of Christians were like, oh, it's terrible, it's you know, this and it's that. Well, if you take a time to read it, you'll recognize a narrative that's there. Because people are searching. People are searching for truth and we are carriers of the truth. We are called to shine like stars to reflect God's glory. But as we read sort of in those passages earlier, if we're going to do that, we need to look like Jesus as we do that. We need to be those that shine as we serve. Um, and our society and our culture lifts up celebrity and fame and wealth and status and educational achievement as the things that make us shine. But what we need to do as Christians is to recognize that when we come to God, he is the one who shines. He is the one that's to be glorified. He is the one that's to be lifted up. And so actually our purpose is to reflect him, to reflect his goodness. And the only way that we can do that is to become less in some ways. But actually that takes the weight and the pressure off our shoulders because we cannot do it all. We cannot be all things to all men. We cannot have all the answers. Um, and it's a bit like, um, do you know, when you take on the stress and pressure of an activity, such as going on holiday, right? and, and you're getting, in, in our case, you're getting the kids ready, you're getting everything ready, have we got all the suitcases packed, are they all weighed, have we got all the passports, have we got all the tickets, have we got all the children, because you want to make sure you don't lose any of them along the way, and there's just this mad stress and anxiety as you travel to the airport to go on your holiday, counting the kids, counting the suitcases, Counting your wife, you only have one, that's right. Um, and then you get finally on your holiday. And all the stress and anxiety is gone. And you lie on your sun lounger, if you've got children, for five minutes. And you say, yes. And you get your book and you feel relaxed. And I just wonder whether we live under too much unnecessary stress and anxiety and pressure because we're trying to carry the weight of the world on our own shoulders. And it's no wonder that we can't shine with God's light. It's no wonder um, we're, we're kind of always in a bad mood and very rarely in a place where we ever feel like we could show God's love to people because we've, we've, we've taken the weight upon ourselves instead of recognizing that he is the one that carries everything for us. He is the one where we find worth and hope and identity and value. He is the one where we find security. He is the one that when his love comes, removes fear. Yet so often we've taken the pressure and weight of life upon ourselves. We haven't learned, as the Bible says, to cast your burdens upon him because he cares for you. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And so when we encounter him, what happens is awareness First of all, we, we have awareness of him through worship. But when we have awareness of him, there's the opportunity for encounter. And when we encounter him, there's the opportunity for transformation. We become more like him. We're changed. We're transformed. And then through us, in the process of transformation, he's going to shine his light. We're always looking for a place of arrival. 
you know, a place where, where, where all our problems are sorted out, where all our current stresses and difficulties are, are gone, or, or the stuff that's happened to us, the brokenness of the past has been sorted out. And then we will shine our light, and then we will be bright, and then we will glorify him, and then we will share our faith. That point never, ever comes, because life goes on all of the time. One of the things that, that really stops us from, from shining our light for God is, is when hardship comes. And uh, this, this quote, I think about it a lot. I'm pretty sure, not 100%, that it was from a book I read by J. Oswald Sanders. But it says, the first major trial that a Christian faces, which should be the making of them, ends up breaking them. And he goes on to say that they never get over it. Because, in his opinion, the bad theology, that a wrong view of life and of God, robs us of the change and transformation that comes as we go through stuff in life. And what, what J. Oswald Sanders says is, you know, that as we go through life, we, we have, and we say to people, you know, become a Christian, life is going to be better, God's going to look after you, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to be wonderful, and then something happens in life. Something hard happens in life. And in that moment, God is at work wanting to bring change and transformation through our circumstances to make us into the people that he would want us to be. And he's going to use whatever circumstances are going on in our life to do that. I'm not saying that God always causes difficult things to happen to us. I think that's a very dangerous theology. But life happens and stuff happens. But when it happens, it is the opportunity for change and transformation. And God can be refining us through our circumstances. He can be changing us through our circumstances. But the first bump that comes along the road, or the first major thing that happens, so often Christians get stuck. And they just continue to rotate around that, that, that thing that happened, disappointment. God may let me down. I thought this was going to happen. I thought that was going to happen. I thought life was going to work out differently. And they just rotate round and round the same thing. And sadly to say, over the years that I've been pastoring, I meet so many people that could be one year, five year, ten years down from that thing that happened and are still rotating around it. Just continually stuck in a loop. Never moving on. Always disappointed. Always thinking, why did God let that happen? It has happened. You may never know why it has happened. But God was there and God continues to be there. And God can continue to help you work through your circumstances. And in fact, it's from those circumstances that we grow, that we change, that we're transformed. And so I know some of us have been through things, really difficult things, horrendous things at times. But nothing is ever wasted with God. He can bring life and hope out of the darkest situation and circumstance. And today, if you feel like you're stuck, or you, as I'm talking about sort of how we gravitate around one or two things that have happened to us and we, and we fail to move on, if that's you, there's hope for you today. God doesn't want to see you continue to be stuck in that place, rotating around the same things. He wants to see you set free. He wants to see you transformed. He wants to teach you what it is that, that he wanted to teach you through that in the first place because there's still learning to be had there. And there's a future for you. And in fact, 
Sometimes we feel that, that circumstances, whether they're our own or things that happen to us, cripple us and rob us of the ability to witness to God and to live fully the lives that we're called to live. But if we only ever stood, understood that God works through our brokenness, works through our pain, brings light and life from it, we wouldn't be so afraid. We want so desperately to be perfect. And at this point, this imaginary point in, in which we will shine like stars. But we need to learn to shine like stars now. Through our brokenness, through our pain, through our difficulty. We owe the world an encounter with the living God. These verses um, from 2 Corinthians 4 say, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So, God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory that looks like the face of Christ. The glory of God given to us, the light that we shine should look like the face of Christ. That when people see us, they should see the face of Christ. This is what we're being called to. The witness of mission is to bring the light of life to a dark and hurting world. But here's the problem. This amazing, wonderful light, as Paul puts it, but the problem is we have this treasure in jars of clay. Us, broken vessels, broken jars, cracks everywhere. But God has put the treasure of light, the reflection of the glory of Jesus' face inside a broken jar, just like me and like you. And he's saying, see this broken jar? I'm going to put my actual presence in it. I'm going to use you, broken jar, to bring light to the world. So this treasure in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work at us, but also life is at work in us, in you. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Could it be that in the middle of life's hardships and difficulties and frustrations <coughs> and disappointments, that in the middle of all of that and persecutions, that is the place from which the light of God can shine more brightly through us. We need to get this because if we don't, what happens is that we try to be Mr. Holy. 
We try to be a Christian. We try to say the right things. Uh, and in the past, we would have dressed in the right way and, and done the right things, all to give an impression that we thought was the right one. That, hey, I'm a Christian. I've got it all together. I'm doing the right things, saying the right things, going to the right places. I'm not going to all the wrong places. We had lowered the standard of Christianity down to forms of behavior and felt that that was showing people the light of life. When actually, what we need to do is to move to a place of authenticity. It's no wonder that Christians get called hypocrites. I've probably told you this before, but Jesus actually was the first person to use the word hypocrite in the context that we use it. And the word hypocrite um, is the word for actor, um, and it would have been familiar to Jesus. Um, the idea of acting or performance. And he called the Pharisees hypocrites. You actors, you pretend, you perform. You give an impression, but it's only an act because when you're off the stage, you're a different person. And so I think that we're called into this place of authenticity where we're not going to be hypocrites. We need to learn just in the middle of our brokenness to show God's love to be light, to be life. And yes, we should continue to be changed and transformed. This isn't a kind of off the hook, you can just do what you like, say you like, and tell people you're a Christian. It's actually about saying to people, do you know what, I'm broken too, but I am on a journey. I'm on a journey of change and transformation. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. Let me tell you what he means to me. I'm gonna shine my light even in the midst of, of brokenness. And where the rubber really hits the road, it's particularly at Christmas time, we're around people that know us all too well. We're around family and we're around friends. And isn't it weird that that's the, the place that we find it hardest to be a Christian? And I think, uh, I wonder whether it's because we find it the place that is hardest to fake it. You see, I know, and particularly being a pastor, that if I'm on my game, I can... I can be the pastor, I can be the Christian, I can say the right things and do the right things and nod in the right way and show the right attitude. Sometimes, not all of the time. But it's when all that falls apart, when it all falls apart in your life, what's left? Are we still willing to show the light and love of God when we look a lot more broken? When we don't look as much like Jesus, will we let him shine in us and through us? Um, recently I was at a, a community group and I got to know the, the person that r ran it. Um, I got to know them over a course of a number of years and, and they mentioned that uh, a lot of their family members were ill and they were having to look after them and they were really stressed about it and I thought, well, I'm going to ask, can I pray for that? This is a kind of a community meeting but it's probably not the best thing to do. But so, um, so afterwards I said to this person, after they told me what was going on in their life, I said, could I pray with you? And they said, she looked at me with a kind of slight annoyance, maybe resignation. She said, I knew you would ask me this. <laughs> and, I, and she said, but you're the only one that I will let pray with me because you back up what you say with your actions. And um, that was a really humbling experience because I know that's not always true in my life. But... It gave me the opportunity to, to pray with this woman. And it wasn't that I, was trying to, that I was trying to be perfect, but that she could see the authentic in me. And I think that that's what we're called to do. 
So just as, as I'm kind of wrapping up, I want us to think about the fact that it's Christmas time. And this is our time. This is our time. The only reason that Christmas exists is because of Jesus. This is our time to share the message of love, the message of hope to the people around us, the people in our lives, our family members as we gather around for Christmas. Why are we doing this Christmas thing? Why do we give gifts? Because we've been given the greatest gift. What is it we're celebrating? We tell that to our children, we tell that to our friends, and we listen and we look at the narratives within society and we go, society is, is desperately looking for fulfillment and for life. And if we will listen, we will hear the voice of God whispering to everybody on this earth, I love you, I sent my son for you. You can have life and life in all of its fullness. And we might see that coming out through songs like in The Greatest Showman. We might see it coming out in movies that we see over Christmas. We see it coming out in, in the desire to give gifts and to bless others. Where does that desire even come from? Let's learn to tell his story well. So I'd, I'd, love, um, I'd love to pray this morning for you. The band are going to come up and we're going to, to worship. But I think there's just an amazing opportunity for us to learn to do things differently. You know, we need to learn to be missionaries again. We need to think like missionaries. We need to think about telling people that are disconnected with this story of the good news of God in a different way. We need to listen to what people are already saying, what the hunger and desire is in their hearts. So we need to respond to that in a way that makes sense. You see, the good news, the gospel, will always be the gospel, but how we communicate it through our actions, through love, through patience, through kindness, through prayer, it needs to be more creative than, than what it is. I'd also like to pray with you this morning if you feel like you are stuck, that you're just rotating around something that's happened, some disappointment, some real pain that you need healing and, and help for. I'd love to see God break in and do something in your life about that too. But let's stand and we'll worship and then we'll, we'll pray at the end.